0: Hello and welcome to the Tech Buzzer of the Week from WhatIs.com, the online IT encyclopedia and learning center. I'm Alex Howard, assistant editor at WhatIs.com. This week, we not only bring you a short definition for the deep web, we've got an interview with Marcus Zillman, the executive director of the Virtual Private Library and creator of BotSpot, named by PC Magazine to be one of the best 100 websites on the internet. Marcus kindly sat down with me today to discuss the deep web. Good morning, Marcus Silman. Thanks so much for joining WhatIs.com. Thank you
1: very much, and good talking with you.
0: I'm going to read you a brief definition of WhatIs.com's uh, definition for the deep web, and uh, let's get your reaction. So here okay. we go. Uh, the deep web refers to the hidden part of the internet, a vast and rapidly expanding volume of content inaccessible to conventional search engines and, consequently, to most users. The term was coined by Bright Planet, an internet search technology company that specializes in searching for deep web content in a 2001 white paper, The Deep Web, Surfacing Hidden Value. According to Bright Planet, in 2001, the 60 largest deep web sources alone contained 84 billion pages of content, or about 7,500 terabytes of information. That's about 550 billion documents, many times the size of the surface web that most of us were familiar with at the time. Bright Planet also found that the deep web was growing much more quickly than the surface web, and that the quality of the content within it, 95% of which is publicly accessible, was significantly higher than the vast majority of surface web content. According to my guest, researcher Marcus P. Zillman of deepwebresearch.info, the size of the deep web now is somewhere in the vicinity of 900 billion pages of information. Marcus, how does the definition strike you? Okay,
1: I think that definition you gave is very good. Um, I know the folks at uh, Bright Planet, in fact, uh, one of their founders was my speaker at BOT 2001, I did up in your neck of the woods in Boston. So I know those folks, and they've done an excellent job. And they, as the uh, net continues to expand with additional resources coming online, uh, we see more and more things happening. And in the deep web, we see certain engines, uh, exact example, using Google as an example, what they have done is they've been able to now find some of those quote invisible things that were invisible to google years ago i.e. pdf, i.e. ppt's powerpoint slides uh, uh... this type of a thing so and doc doc's and so mm-hmm. now google can find those so that would decrease the amount of information that's out there on the deep web but in the same respect we're seeing every day thousands upon thousands of new databases being Put onto the net. We're seeing uh, the O.P.S. Postscript, where the search engine still really can't find them and do a real good job. And most people in academia put their theses and the true knowledge, uh, the knowledge discoveries in Postscript. Uh, a lot of the search engines have trouble discovering that information still and other types of formatted documents if you go and with what is if you go into what is and and search for uh, format files you'll find out that just a tremendous amount of different formats out there that uh, uh, information can be placed into and the bulk of the search engines that are on the internet probably would not be able to find them so to make it very quickly what we discover mm-hmm. is that the amount of information is increasing still at a very high exponential growth rate content on the Internet, and a lot of that still is undiscoverable in the conventional way. Then you add mashups and Web 2.0s, uh, which is the next generation of webs where we're combining gonna, a yep. number of Web 2.0s together through databases and other types of information, and a lot of the search engines... Just aren't privy to being able to identify and find information within those. So we're seeing the deep web constantly increase, even though new methods to discover that information are being created every day.
0: That's it's great that you mentioned the the Web 2.0 and on all the uh, the AJAX or what exactly. used to be Atlas-enabled technologies, the rich internet application world. You know, oh. that's that's just expanding very very quickly. And Ajax again, Rails
1: and all yeah. those are just phenomenal. Right.
0: Yeah. And, and then the question is, how searchable is it or not? Well, that, that's um, it, exactly. Yep. Now, uh, one of the blogs that I read is uh, Google's Matt Cutts, uh, mm-hmm. com, mm-hmm. And uh, one of his recent <clears throat> estimates is that Google has indexed only 25 billion documents as of September of, of this year, 2006. Um, is the discrepancy between what they're indexing and making searchable and the vast body of information you describe? attributable to just the simply the content not being formatted or, or meta tagged or otherwise described in a syntax that makes it available? Yeah, what, uh, what's going on there?
1: Yeah, that, uh, <clears throat> we'll go back to Tim Burns Lee who created the web and he's a big advocate for RDF resource description framework. And RDF we're in resource description framework is I consider it to be the true meta tag, and if everybody would use RTF properly and, and identify their tags, it would make it easier for search engines, but that's in the what I call the nice-to-have world, and the nice-to-have world really doesn't exist. People don't do it. So to find information on the net, the search engines have to develop their own systems to be able to properly discover those resources. And as newly typed resources are being created all the time, like we just talked about, the Web 2.0, it makes it a little bit more difficult. So in the example, what we see is we see niche search engines coming up to search blogs. We see niche search engines coming to search RSS feeds we're seeing niche search engines to search rails we're seeing uh, uh but not all of them are doing it all together because it takes a lot of resources to be able to do that far as technology so google is trying to do a lot of that but google can only do so much with what it has and how many people really are looking to discover every RSS feed when the majority of people in the United States don't even know what RSS is let alone what it means, real simple syndication. So, sure. yeah, you know, so, uh, nay as a uh, I guess born techie, I'm interested in all that stuff, <clears throat> but there aren't a lot of me's around, and a lot of people could care less as long as RSS works for them, which means I don't have to use a Listserv anymore. I can use RSS, and it's going to tell me when a site's updated so I can get that information.
0: That's, that's a great point. You know, I, we, we did a podcast on RSS not so long ago and are still finding that while there's vastly more people who know what it is than they did five years ago, we're still talking about single digit percentages here.
1: Exactly, yeah, really yeah, so I don't know if that's truly going to catch on at all, but it's a great resource, and, 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 and it eventually will, uh, I think, because it really does a great job, but it's no different than podcasting. Well, podcasting, I've been, I've been broadcasting on MP3, listen to Marcus uh, for four years using MP3 files, you know, and I didn't call it a podcast, I just said MP3 files, listen to me, right? But that's how podcasts have been created. The only difference is the ability to search them and to get that information Becomes a little bit more efficient, a little
0: bit easier. Well, that's that's the distinction I draw. When often I've got uh, lay people in my family who talk right. to me about technology at this point and said, well, what's the difference between uh, just a media file on the internet and a podcast, and say, Mm -hmm. well, it's all about the RSS enclosure. That's exactly right. That's the difference. That's That's the syndication. That's exactly
1: right. It's the the ability to properly syndicate it so people find you easily uh, when they do a search, and the searching is on RSS and on the tags that you do develop for that to be able to find it. That's exactly right.
0: Now, that actually brings me back to a, um, a great question and, and one that was just recently brought up. Another one of the folks I subscribe to and read frequently, as oh. lots of other people working it online do these days, is TechCrunch. Uh, and there, uh, Michael Ayrton recently covered um, the upcoming launch of Monitor 110, which purports to be a targeted research tool that actually gathers information from about 40 million different sources about different companies including data access through subscriptions including those with premiums uh, attached to them blogs, forums, news groups, regulatory disclosures and lots of other deep web sources and their plan is to sell access to that search and tracking capability institutional investors and other interested parties, and at a mm-hmm. premium price. So it's a two-part question. The first is that are there other companies which will provide you that kind of targeted information to, in a feed you can subscribe to, or is that kind of search ability actually something that people can get in the public domain without having to pay for access to that level of powerful software?
1: Well, I think number one is <clears throat> all the big boys have looked into deep web research from IBM's uh, a web fountain, uh, down to others who have really looked into it to, to, to discover this information so that people will be able to use it. And then turn around and uh, turn that content into resellable issues so that they can resell that to uh, institutional investors or whoever wants that information. So number one is, yes, there is a market for that and institutional investors and others like to have that information number two if you go to a site like deepwebresources.info it gives you almost all the information resources that one can use to find that information but you have to take time it isn't done automatically you can hunt and peck for what you want so all the resources basically if one wants to work at it are available online and most of them are absolutely free but then you have to aggregate that now what's nice about that word aggregate is we have aggregator software out now that's absolutely free that allows you to aggregate a lot of that information But between both issues, the issue of getting information from the deep web and giving it to the people who really want it and they'll pay for it, plus doing it yourself, the big thing is the ability for people to understand and learn what is the quality of information they're looking for. So the biggest problem we have is information overload and the ability for people to distinguish between good information and bad information. And believe it or not, nobody has gone to college to learn what good information and what bad information is. And so that's a big area in itself because the Internet, that has what I always like to say, the good, bad, and the ugly, because it's a real microcosm of society. And because of that, if you don't know how to distinguish wh- what quality of information is, you could get a lot of disinformation that could really mess people up, even the most professionals, because I've talked with professionals who said, I found this information, I did my research, and I'm using that. And I said, well, how do you determine the quality of that information? What quality insurance are you using to monitor yourself to make sure that information is appropriate? And I say, oh, this, that, and that. And I quickly explained to them that the quality of information that they were looking was not correct. And so there's a whole different area of the deep web, and these people who supply this information don't supply it based on their guaranteeing the quality of that information. What they're guaranteeing is the content availability. Big difference.
0: Well, uh, what else would you want to know somebody who's just kind of coming around to the concept of the deep web or has been depending on Google or or even one of the meta crawlers that searches across different search engines? I mean, what's their first step?
1: The first step for a person who's really interested in moving beyond Google is to Mm -hmm. be able to find a couple of resources where they can investigate. I always like to tell people to investigate the .ps. PostScript, because so many academia have their theses and have their uh, uh, latest knowledge available in PostScript documents, but their search engines can't find that. So if if they would do research into PostScript, find areas and theses that are available in PostScript, I think they could have a very exciting time of finding some immediate deep web information that isn't available on Google. And quality information. You know, one of the ways that you determine appropriateness of quality is if you go to a .edu site. That's a four-year academic college, and they do have policies and procedures. They don't just put things up on a the web and their ability. They have the ability to have some protocols behind that. So a majority of the .edu's have their information out on PS when it comes to the, theses and whatnot for a couple of reasons. Number one, they don't want the world finding it. Number two, when you do find it, it's a rule, if you're taking the effort and the energy to uh, learn To appropriate software for PostScript, you're able then to find that information. So that that would be one to tell people who truly seriously are looking at the deep
0: web. And on the other side of it, for content producers, what's the best way to either make sure that information is locked or make sure that it's available to the most amount of people, so they don't inadvertently become part of the deep web?
1: The uh, uh, two ways, of course, it used to be that you would put the uh, uh, years ago you'd put the. uh, where it says, uh, no, the uh, text.org, uh, where, where it's called the robot text, and the robot text would tell a robot when it came into a site to not read that information. Well, problem with that today is there are a lot of robots out there that go through and find information and really don't respect uh, the uh, .text form, and, and, and it's a shame. But uh, and, some, and, and, and I can't say, I have to say there's a lot of bots that do respect the robot.txt as well. But that's one way is making sure that information that you put on the web is in robot text and honors robot text uh, for robots coming and going within the site. Number two is coming up with and creating formats within the sites that are unique and different that are easily accessible and supplying those formats if you want to keep that information privy to yourself. And you can also encrypt the site. Uh, so that when people go into the site, the information is encrypted and the text is encrypted, and that keeps the information in itself being private rather than being available to the World Wide Web. Uh, And the opposite way, if you want people to know where your information is, the best way then is to make sure that the content is accessible, and by being accessible, the real accessibility is a a .text document because uh, all search engines can read .text. Uh, the next step after doc text docu- documents are, believe it or not, PDFs. More and more search engines are reading PDFs and we're seeing that, and PDFs are picked up especially by Google and other search engines, uh, which is com- sort of the universal format, which is the way people can read information all over the world, and PDF is become, rapidly becoming that. And then the next step would be formatting it into, the, into a doc or formatting it into rich text, other areas that are what I call, search engine friendly uh, so that uh, when people search engine goes to the site they're able to do it and more importantly when people reach that site from all over the world that their web browser will be able to read that information as well and believe it or not I've uh, visited a number of sites that work hard at making the information available only to realize that the possibility of a web browser being used in India is not appropriate far as the characters and whatnot that are being designed into that uh, page and and has a hard time reading it. So you want to be able to see how your page is looked at uh, if you're in a global market from
0: all over the world. That's very interesting too to hear about from the webmaster's perspective as well. Right, exactly. Not just the searcher. Great. Well, thanks so much for offering 20 minutes of your time today. It was really valuable. I learned a lot. I'm sure our listeners will too.
1: (laughs) You have a you have a
0: you have a great day. It's
1: good talking to you, and uh, yeah. uh, if you need any additional information, feel free to contact me anytime.
0: Well, sure will. Thanks so okay. much, Marcus. Have a great day. <laughs> you too. Bye bye.